grace, mercy, and peace, dear saints of God, from the Father of our Lord Jesus and from your Father in heaven. Amen. You may be seated. On this All Saints Day, we are filled with joy that God has called his church out of this world. You and I are part of that church by virtue of our baptism, our baptism which unites us to Christ and so unites us to each other. We are joined in a mystical union, a union that is beyond our ability to fully grasp its meaning, to fully understand it. We belong to the communion of saints that we talk about in the creed, a, a communion and a union with the saints of all time, in all places, who have been given the gift of faith to believe in our Lord Jesus. Even those saints who came before us, who looked forward in faith to the one who would come to crush the head of Satan and to free us from bondage to sin and death. We who have heard the gospel, who have been given faith to believe in the one who died and who rose for us, we are joined with the saints of old in the one body of Jesus Christ. And in that communion of saints, in that community of saints, we are helped by hearing examples of how God worked in and through the lives of the saints who came before us. Through them, and their example of faith, we are encouraged to lead our own godly lives as God's children here on earth. As John writes in our reading today from 1 John, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. John says that the world does not know us just as it did not know Jesus Christ. And we are being conformed to his likeness. We actually, of course, have two readings from John this morning. We have the epistle reading, and then we have the other reading, the first reading this morning from Revelation, the, the revelation that God gave to John, where he opened heaven to him, and John caught a glimpse into the saints who are in heaven, who are worshiping God around his throne. They are no longer suffering from thirst or hunger, uh, they are experiencing the reward that Matthew talks about in our gospel lesson today as he speaks to his disciples, as he speaks to the church, speaks to those who have faith. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And we see here in Revelation, in this a vision that John sees of the church there, the church triumphant in heaven, we see just how really blessed they are. And All Saints Day is a, a wonderful, wonderful commemoration. It encompasses the, the great cloud of witnesses that surround us, as the writer to the book of Hebrews says. It points us with eyes of faith to that vast multitude that no man can number. All the saints of God in heaven from every nation, every culture, every uh, language, every race. All who have come out of the great tribulation who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. 
All Saints Day sets before us the height and the depth and the breadth of God's salvation story. It's the celebration of the Lamb of God and the blood of the Lamb, and it shares in the ordeal, then, of Good Friday, as that Lamb lays down his life and sheds his precious blood as God's sacrifice for the sin of the world. And All Saints Day shares a celebration then with re resurrection, shares in the celebration of Easter, since those who are gathered around the throne in heaven have been raised with Christ. And it shares with Pentecost a celebration of the full harvest, the ingathering of the entire church in heaven and on earth, of all times and places in one body of Christ, in the unity of the Spirit, and in the bond of peace, as Peter writes. Just as we have been called, all of us, to the one hope that belongs to our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And the Feast of All Saints uh, shares in these last final Sundays of the church year a, a forward look, an eschatological view on the life everlasting, and a confession that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. In each case, the purpose of our All Saints Day celebration is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, so that our hearts don't become weary or grow faint as we walk this path that God has laid out for us in this world. All Saints Day really does encompass the height, breadth, and depth of God's salvation history. And John writes there in Revelation, Behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This multitude is the gathering of all the righteous in eternity. The gathering of all people who have been made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. Now it's kind of show and tell day. So in your bulletin, you can take out this little half sheet that has some Chinese characters on it. This is an actual Chinese word. I don't profess to read Chinese. I will do my best to explain things this morning. It's interesting that there is evidence in the Chinese language uh, of the Christian faith. Chinese goes back 4,000, 4,500 years, the written language. So that all the way back there, there was an understanding of the Christian faith. We understand through God's word that all mankind is sinful, all mankind is in need of forgiveness, that in order to stand like this multitude in the presence of God, we must somehow be brought from sinful to righteous, be brought from 
sinfulness to righteousness, if you will. Now, the uh, symbol that you have there looks like this. And we're going to explain it, but it is actually multiple words, multiple Chinese words that are brought together into one word. Okay, and I'll explain that in just a minute, but we're going to start back with the origins of it. We're going to look first at this bottom part of the symbol. This is the bottom half of the symbol. Now, this Chinese word, yang, means me or I. This is their word for I or me. And it itself is made up of a couple of Chinese words, Chinese symbols. And so on the left-hand side of that symbol is the symbol for a hand. That's the three horizontal and one vertical mark there. That means hand in Chinese. In traditional Chinese, the characters change over time. This is in traditional Chinese. But you'll notice that one of the if you want to, one of the fingers, but it's part of the hand, is reaching out to this other part of the symbol over here. This part is a spear or a weapon. So the hand grasping a spear, grasping a weapon, makes the Chinese word me or I. So I think that's fascinating. Why would that be? Why would you have the hand grasping a weapon represent me? Well, I think, and others are surmising this too, I think that it has to do with the fact that we are sinful, that we are evil in our hearts, in our flesh, that we war against each other, that we take up arms against each other, even that we war against God. So that's the bottom of the larger symbol. That's the word for me or I in Chinese. Then above this, the top part of the symbol here is the traditional Chinese word for goat or sheep or lamb. And we're going to view it as lamb. Okay? And uh, you can barely make it out that it might be a lamb. Uh, some of the earlier, if you look on the internet, you see the earlier um, forms of this word. It looks a little more like uh, horns and ears of a sheep. It's the frontal view of the sheep or the lamb. So that's the top part of it. Matthew 15, 18 to 19 says, the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. And maybe that is well represented by that hand holding the weapon. Uh, it's easy to see, just in our flesh, that we are inclined to evil. But when you put the two together, to get the larger symbol. When you put the lamb over me, it makes the word in Chinese, it makes the word that is translated righteousness. I think that's pretty cool. 
the lamb over me is righteousness. The only way that evil me can be righteous is by the blood of the lamb, as we see in our reading from Revelation. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And Isaiah says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. So the innumerable saints, the unnumbered band that stands there in the presence of God are clothed in robes of righteousness because of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Their robes are washed clean, purified in the blood of Jesus Christ. And what are they saying around the throne there? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The great multitude stands before the throne all dressed in white robes and yet notice what John sees. He looks and he knows that they are from every nation, every tribe, every language. They are all dressed the same but their features are unique and John can recognize that, recognize their facial features. And I, I'm sometimes asked by people whether or not we will know a loved one in heaven. Sometimes, uh, more often, it's uh, a parent or a spouse who has died, who has passed on before us. And we're still here and we're wondering when we get there, are they going to recognize me? Am I going to recognize them? And I use examples. I say, yes, they will. And I use examples like the Mount of Transfiguration where Peter, James, and John know that it's Moses and Elijah, even though they wouldn't have had photographs on their Facebook page in those days, right? But they know that it's Moses and Elijah. And I also use uh, the, the parable that Jesus teaches about Lazarus and the rich man where they both die and the rich man is in hell and the poor man Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham being comforted. And the, the rich man who's in, in uh, hell, he looks across and he recognizes Lazarus and he recognizes Abraham in that parable that Jesus teaches. But I've never thought about this passage, that this says something about it too that John recognizes that these people are from different nations. And it, it also talks then about the Gentile church, right? It's not just the Jewish church, the 12 tribes, the 144,000, that came right before this reading in Revelation. But now it's also an unnumbered host from every tribe, every nation, every language. Some have said that in Christ you become what you were meant to be. And we know the phrase, to err is human, you know, to forgive divine, right? To err is human, but uh, we could probably have some pushback against that. Because when we were created, we were created fully human. And yet, 
we did not err. But we lost something in the fall. Right? We lost something. Now we err. So you could say that now we are not fully human anymore. But one day we will be. When we are in heaven there, standing in this throng with our white robes, we will once again be fully human. But it, I want to make it even more personal than that. God makes it more personal than that. Let's go back to that Chinese word for righteousness. It's a lamb, but what is it over? It's not over the symbol for man or mankind. It's not the lamb over mankind. It is more personal than that. It is the lamb over you, right? The lamb over me, personal. The God who formed you in your mother's womb, the God whose fingers knit you together, loves you. And his love for you compelled him to send his only son, the lamb of sacrifice, to make atonement for your sins so that his blood could cover you, could cover us. In your baptism, your robe has been washed and made white in the blood of Jesus Christ. The saints of God, John says, no man can number, but God knows the number. God knows each one. He knows you individually, personally, even knows the number of the hairs of your head. So we see here salvation, even though we see a great throng, salvation is not just a corporate thing. It is a very personal and individual thing too. In Christ, dear saints, you have been made righteous. All of your evil thoughts, actions, and inactions have been removed from you and placed on Christ, that who covers you. By his stripes you are healed. By his blood, your sin-stained robe has been washed clean, made pure and white. You have been given the righteousness of Christ. And therefore, you will stand before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And the Lord who sits on the throne will shelter you with his presence. You shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike you, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be your shepherd, will guide you to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Te Deum Laudamus, we praise you, O God. We stand to sing the hymn.